Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, my friend, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Uh, New England's out of the playoffs. Have you gotten that memo? Uh, did oh. you get that? Did you get that? Oh. I'm just uh, listen. I'm your friend. I wouldn't rub it in. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, times have changed. Having a is a little different than the Brady years. Times you know, change. You, you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, I mean, listen. You guys got a little spoiled. Just a, you know, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Had like, a good, uh, we had a good run. You know, uh, every year was automatic, right? You you took things for granted a little bit. Now. Yep. Uh, it teaches you a little humility. It teaches, not that you needed it, but it, it teaches the <laughs> fans, you know, to appreciate what you have because you might not have it for long. You know, you know what's funny, Teddy? When I was watching the game towards the end, Buffalo made, one of the guys on Buffalo made an incredible diving catch for a touchdown. And I said to my, my middle son is obsessed with sports on TV. And I said, you see that? This is a play where you can just look at that and you go, that's a play that Buffalo's making this year and the Patriots aren't. The next play with the Patriots... Uh, Mac Jones throws a perfect pass to the guy. It bounces off the top of his helmet like a high school kid. I was like, what? what the hell? These guys, Buffalo makes plays. New England didn't make plays every single time. Buffalo just was, Buffalo probably wins the Super Bowl. They're unbelievable. Josh Allen, when he's on, he's the best. Well, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl because they have the magic going for them now with uh, what's going on with DeMar Hamlin. And I, I want to touch on that real quick for audience out there, you know, uh, obviously, I'm sure everybody knows that DeMar Hamlin got hurt last Monday night football game, a uh, life-threatening injury. And um, he went down and, you know, he was taken to the hospital. And thank God he looks like he's on a path of recovery. Uh, they have to, they had to resuscitate him on a life, I mean, on a field. And um, basically, how about the trainer though, Teddy? The trainer from Buffalo saved him. They said if he didn't hit him yeah. with the CPR and the defibrillator yeah. right away, recognizing yeah. the signs, he might not well, have made it. That guy's a big hero. Yeah, so uh, it's got to be done. No, it's got to be done. <laughs> they did it within ten seconds or whatever. So, um, what I want to say about it is, we're all grateful, we're all thankful, and the whole country's been praying for him. I just want to say that, kind of piggyback off of what you just said that the doctors the trainer all those great people uh medical people they saved his life but and then in return Damar Hamlin saved our lives and what I mean by that is he's brought a whole country together a very divided country uh, a country that sometimes thinks about the wrong things that sometimes concentrates more on hate than love and it happens but he reminded us that we're one family and that we might bicker we might argue every once in a while right but when you hurt one of us we all come together and when one is hurting we're all hurting and that's what he did it was spiritual i mean and then what do they do in the first game uh back without him they return the kickoff, the opening kickoff, almost a hundred yards for a touchdown. I mean that that's not an accident. That that and and it was the first time in three years and three months, and that's his number, number three, that a kickoff was returned there for a touchdown. So, uh, listen, call me whatever you want to call me. Obviously, I believe in what I believe in, but this is 
something that I think everyone could believe in, everyone could feel, everyone's touched by, is just the coming together of a family, of a country, because one of ours was hurt, that our humanity was awakened. It really was awakened. And DeMar Hamlin, you know, without ever realizing that he would do such a thing and never wanting to do such a thing, who wants to have their life threatened? Um, and he still has recovery to go, and God willing, he will. He'll fully recover. But he, by him getting injured uh, on a Monday night football game where so many people are watching it, aware of it, he awakened again a spirit in us, a care in us, a love in us that had sometimes gone dormant um, in certain ways where we concentrated just too much on our differences and things we didn't like about each other rather than what we have in common, which is we share a great country and we all have the opportunity to do great things, to live great things in this country, and that we all are part of it, that, that we are one unit, we, that we're one nation. And um, I, just, I just felt that I had to start to broadcast with that, that I am thankful that he's getting better, and I am thankful that he was able to awaken this, just this goodness, remind us of how good we can be. And boy, oh boy, I'm proud of this country. I really am. I always am. But I am so proud of just the outpouring of love and care by so many people that have no idea who DeMar Hamlin is. And and don't and they don't even necessarily like football. But what they do like, what they do like is people. They like people, they like humanity, they like lo- life. They like life. And I'll finish with this. I remember when we had a horrendous situation, obviously one of the most horrific, well, probably the most horrific attack ever on our country right here uh, years ago, 9-11, when we had that just, you know, day that we wish we could all forget and where our country was attacked. And I remember watching the pictures as the World Trade, one after another, the World Trade Centers were coming down after the planes, you know, the suicide planes were flown into them uh, by people that that hated our country and hated us. And as that was happening, simultaneously almost, I remember watching people that were running into the buildings. And... I remember afterwards, somebody asked me, they said, Teddy, what on earth would drive somebody to run into a burning building, a building that's about to collapse, that if you run into it, you're basically 
running to your death. What would make somebody do that? And I said, for love of life. That those people, those firemen, those those first responders, they care more about life than they did about death. And it was that simple. It was that simple. They they cared more about life, including their own life, than they did about death. And in some ways, that's what I kind of saw and felt when this terrible situation happened. Of course, a whole different thing. It's not a terrorist attack. But when this young man went down with his life, you know, being threatened in front of everybody, to see everybody react the way they did, where it mattered. Life matters. Life matters. Humanity matters um, in all forms. So anyway, I just wanted to say that we, we send our prayers, we continue to say our prayers for Damar Hamlin. Um, what a finish it's going to be. What a story if they wind up. I mean, it's a great story right now. And the most important thing is Damar continues to get better. But can you imagine... At the end of this, you talk about you couldn't, you just couldn't write a script better than this. Can you imagine at the end of this that the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl, and of course <laughs> they lift Demar Hamlin up. I mean, he's he's able to maybe somehow be there, and they lift him up on their shoulders or just put the camera on him uh, as he's applauding his team. And I tell you. If that happens, I'll be applauding, as Ken will, as I'm sure all of us will. But I'll be applauding everybody. That's it. That's all I have to say. Yeah, great weekend across the whole NFL. Exciting last uh, last week in the uh, in the league to see who gets in, who gets out. But yeah. Continued prayers for uh, Hamlin. It looks like it's going to be an end on a positive note, regardless of the outcome of the playoffs. But um, we had some uh, boxing back in action this weekend. Thank God, after a holiday lull, uh, Tank Davis. Hey, listen, I hope you took a nap. (laughs) Now, I know you read my tweets. I know that I'm going to say this. Uh, My tweet team did a hell of a job as always, even in the new year. We we were tweeting like madmen, you know, <laughs> all of them, Rob Moore and Eon Mackey and uh, um and uh Brennan Wood. I mean, they're they're my guys, they're my team. And we're getting them up. If you didn't wanna if you didn't wanna pay <laughs> for the pay-per-view, all you had to do was watch my tweets. And I'm not slapping myself on the back. I guess I am. But I'm I'm being honest. Those tweets told you what was happening and in some cases what was going to happen. Um, they they were pretty comprehensive, if I do say so myself. But, um, which, you know, I, I usually don't. But I, f- I felt like I wanted to say that. And what really started me thinking about that before we get into breaking the fights down specifically is the hour that the main event came on one o'clock in the morning (laughs) one o'clock in the morning i mean really you you have to take a nap if you're a fan 
I mean, first of all, you're paying to watch at one in the morning. I don't think most people would sign up for that. But you got to take a nap and the fighters would have to take a nap. I don't think it's healthy for the fighters. I mean, it, you know, at the end of the day, we had some good ones. We had some boring ones. On the whole, we had a decent card. But, and and you had a couple, a barnstorm finish in one fight. Yeah, you, you had some intrigue. You had some suspense. You know, you had a lot of other things going on peripherally uh, with the fight that we'll get into. That was a little Twilight Zone stuff uh, <laughs> that that was happening. I think we even got the music. I asked Rob to get the Twilight Zone music uh, to go up when we talk about it later. But man, it can't be good for a fighter at one in the morning <laughs> to be sitting in his locker room all night and then have to perform. At one o'clock in the morning. I mean, well, Teddy, imagine the hardcore fan that went to the fight. The doors probably open at four or five o'clock. Yeah, a hundred percent. Nine hour, nine ten hours at the at the arena. Are they talking about like eating two different meals there? Yeah, and uh, a lot of caffeine because it's anyway. Uh, Decent show. I think we're going to start grading the shows. You know, I didn't talk to Rob and you about this, but I'm going to throw it out there live on the air right now that I think moving forward into 2023, we're going to start grading the shows. You know, at least certain shows, the big shows. We'll, we'll give them a grade. I didn't give a lot of thought to this. I'd probably give this maybe a maybe a B plus. I, I, it's, you know, because you had a boring You're more fight. generous. You're more generous than I am. I maybe, mean. maybe, no, maybe I give it a, uh, yeah, I think I give it a, if not a B plus, I give it a B. I give it a flat B. And I'll tell you, because you did have one comeback fight, uh, one comeback and an upset. That always, that was a that good always, fight. That, that, that's good. It ended good. It started bad. It ended good. Um, You had a boring fight, a one-sided, you know, which we get a, that in boxing unfortunately uh that's why the ufc is thriving because they usually put on well they do they put competitive fights on every show but then uh you know yeah you, you had you also had another fight that was one-sided but you got to see a star but it was a one-sided so yeah b b minus maybe b more i talk about it you know i'm gonna get down to a c but <laughs> that's where uh, i am no no no, no. i'm like... gonna i'm gonna say b minus because for, Even if you factor the, in the price of seventy five dollars, I didn't well, see anything right. there that I was ever like. Ex with the exception of that last round in the Rashidi Ellis fight, the whole fight I could have like listened to it and didn't even have to watch. No, all you had to do was uh, hang out and watch my tweets and get some food. <laughs> That's true. You know, get some food, get some snacks, and and watch the tweets. But the main event, there was some suspense. There was some. There was some. Um, intrigue because the guy's a puncher tank davis a punk can he get beat uh, you know it could be an upset because he's getting ready to fight ryan garcia hopefully could this could this be the the wrench in the works you know could this be the apple peel that they slip on or the banana peel that they slip on you know on their way to the big 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 fight you know so there was a little intrigue and it was competitive for six rounds seven rounds and then then it you know then it went the way it went but um and we're we're gonna break that all down, but I I, I think a B minus a B minus. I better stop because I'm going lower as I speak. <laughs> so so the guy ahead, bring us bring us bring us into the arena. 
Let's start, well, bring us into the arena. Like, what a frigging crowd. My God, this guy brought out all the big names. It was like every A-list, every A-list celebrity, in the, certainly in the rap community, seemed to be at this fight, sold out the uh, whatever arenas in D.C. Um, the ticket prices were outrageous. I mean, ringside seats, like five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, crazy prices. You couldn't buy one. Usually you see them, like, I always just check the prices just out of curiosity and... Um, Man, he he brought out the A-list, that's for sure. Uh, but let's start with Demetrius Andrade against uh, Demon Nicholson at 168. Andrade's debut at 168. Um, Pretty much as boring as an Andrade fight you as you could expect as far as I'm concerned. One-sided for Andrade. Again, exactly what you'd expect from him. Uh, he's a very awkward guy. Uh, when I see him fighting, until I see a big name on the other side, I, I don't even want to watch. I'm just not interested. Sorry. Ken, just, Ken, he, Ken, let me tell you something. You, you took me to the right place. You, it's hard to get a big name. Who wants to fight him? Really? This ain't a knock on him. This, this is called the fight with Teddy Atlas here with Ken right out telling the truth as we try to do and we do do every week week in and weekend out um you know like how it's coach sells said you know telling it like it is if and if you don't like it hey then then don't watch um we're we're saying what needs to be said, but a lot of times people don't say because they have an agenda they're making money whatever it is but we don't have that problem we have a job to do. We do the job. Um, I happen to like Andre. He's a good kid. He's a classy kid. He, he's a decent kid. He has talent. He was an Olympian all the way back in 2008, I believe it was. Um, he He's, uh, like I said, he's, um, he's a talented kid. He's got an awkward style, difficult style, uh, defensive-minded. He got the memo because he came out hot. He came out fast, so he read the memo that he's got to be more exciting. He tried, but it ain't him. It just ain't him. It, it, you know, it's it's like trying to uh, turn a, a Porsche into a monster truck. It ain't happening. You know, they, it's not running over no cars. Uh, it might outspeed them, but it ain't going to run them over. And he he's has trouble and will continue having trouble getting the big names. And I'll tell you why. Because he doesn't bring the money, as I just said. He's not exciting. He don't bring the money. And he is talented enough to give you trouble. So there's risk. There's some risk there, but no reward. Who's going to do that? You know, remember that movie, The Heat with De Niro and all those guys? You know, they were going in to rob this bank for uh, huge money. And... um. The guy said, maybe we should back off on this one. There's a, uh, you know, there's a cop that's out for you and he's following you guys. Maybe we should back off this one. And uh, Daniil said, no, the risk is worth, the, the, the reward is worth the risk. And you can't say that with an Andre fight, that the risk is worth the reward because it's not. Because he doesn't put fannies in his seats. He doesn't bring money to the table. Um, but he is talented enough difficult enough um where why would you get in the ring with him really why would the big names get in the ring with him and having said that i don't want to see him anymore you know doing these glorified spawn sessions with these guys i really don't i mean either put him in there with canelo and i know canelo's not going to take it so i i know that i'm i'm saying one thing and then i'm 
at the same breath, I'm saying it can't happen. I know what I'm saying. I know how um, conflictive it sounds. I, I do. But, you know, put him in with Canelo. Put him in with Benavides. Benavides might take it. He's the one guy. He might take it. He's that big. He's that strong. He, he's that confident. He, he can't get no one to fight him. He might actually take that. Who knows? Uh, put him in with Charlo. Charlo's moving up, I think, to 168. Unless you could do that. I mean, even Plant, even though, you know, I don't take that as, as a fight that I'm going to go crazy over, but I, there's no fights with Andre you're going to go crazy over. But I don't want to see him anymore. Again, you know, doing, doing the two-step, three-step, the tango with these dance partners. I don't want to see it. Um, and he tried. He went out there fast, and like I said, it's not his M.O., it's just not him. At the end of the day, uh, you know, he a one-sided fight. He won every round, I guess. Uh, he, Nicholson, you know, was was there. You know, he was, uh, there was a bad, again, a bad knockdown call. They caught a knockdown early in the fight uh, with that Nicholson got dropped. It was not a knockdown. It, it begs to ask again. And I'm getting tired of this. You know, you, you get so frustrated. Why is boxing, Ken? Maybe you could answer this for me. My psychiatrist couldn't answer it for me. Maybe you can. Because I have to go to therapy every once in a while after watching one of these shows. And, you know, my psychiatrist, uh, he had me on the couch for an hour and he, he didn't give me any answers. Why does boxing continue to be the only sport that doesn't use instant replay when it's a television fight when they could. Mm. Where all you have to do is like baseball, like basketball, like football, like everyone. Just look at the replay. Oh, okay. We reverse that. It wasn't a knockdown. You it's, not a ten, it's not a 10. It's not a 10. I no, no, I'm gonna tell you my feeling and then you tell me yours. <laughs> my my feeling is a little bit more cynical than yours. Okay? Mine is that they don't want to lose the Trump card. They don't want to lose their ability to rob a guy if they want to rob him. If it's not, if it's, if it's, if it's the house fighter that's not getting treated right, that's getting banged around a little bit, and they want to help him, if they have instant replay to show that the house fighter might have really scored a knockdown, they don't want to go there, or or to show that the house fighter uh, that the house fighter. Um, what I should have said more appropriately or properly, if they want to, they don't want to show that the house fighter didn't score a knockdown. They don't want to show that. Or maybe the fighter fighting the house fighter scores a knockdown and they don't call it a knockdown. They don't want to go there, and they want to keep that as their secret weapon. And I'm being very cynical, but how can I not be in this business? Come on, I got years of proof years of this kind of stuff to be cynical where if they want to rob a guy they're going to rob a guy but if they have instant replay it gets in the way why would they want witnesses <laughs> why why would they want somebody taking fingerprints if they want to do a robbery so for me that that really might and that's scary and that's sad that that i'm really thinking that that's a possible reason but it is a possible reason. They don't want to be up with the rest of the sports as far as technology. They don't want to be up to speed. Because, again, 
they they want to be uh primitive in those areas they want to be dark in those areas if they need to be to protect a house fighter what, what are your reasons why they're not doing it ken Oh, I think that's exactly why. I think it's probably the second most corrupt uh, organization in the world behind the um, U.S. government and what they're doing. I think it was Dave Chappelle on Saturday Night Live said of Trump, one of the reasons that they were so upset with Trump is because Trump, with regards to his taxes, he basically came out and said, hey, and stood on the front porch of the house. I'm paraphrasing, but basically said, hey, everything you think that's going on inside of that house is going on. And I'm taking advantage of every loophole there is there. They released his tax returns. Oh, we couldn't. They couldn't wait to get his tax returns. They got him. What happened? Zip zero. He's doing everything that they're doing. They're just as corrupt. If you want to see it, uh, an example of how corrupt boxing is, just look at what's going on with the U.S. government and all the BS. It's literally like they're just. They'll they'll commit fraud and crimes right in front of you, and then tell you that you're crazy for even suggesting that they would do something like that. And that's what's exactly what happens in boxing. If they had replay, to your point, they'd have to call it right down the middle and they'd have to do it fair and they don't want to. They want to be able to influence it the way they need to be influenced. It's entertainment. It's one step beyond WWE in terms of dictating the predetermined outcomes. This whole card was one-sided fights and one of the three guys got upset. But other than that, we knew what the outcomes were going to be in all three of the fights. We should have been four. But Rashidi Ellis didn't handle his business the way he had to. We'll cover it next, but that's my take on it. Yeah, C plus. All right, C plus. Um, <laughs> all right, no more, no more because because we're going we're going down, we're going downwards. Um, so the final part of as far as breaking down the fight, uh, you know, Andre Andre won every round. I mean, there's not much more uh, really. To go there. I mean, it was a glorified spawn session. Uh, Nicholson was just outgunned and overmatched, you know, in this fight. And, uh, you know, uh, that's what's going to happen when you're just going to put fighters in these kind of fights. And, and especially on top of it, as I already talked about, Andre doesn't have a style that's inducive to uh, getting you excited, you know. He should be very thankful. He's not with Eddie Hearn no more, but he made a lot of money with Eddie Hearn. And look, Hearn was honest about it. He can't get him a money fight. No one wants to fight him, partly because of what I said. He's good enough, but at the same time, he doesn't bring money. He doesn't bring excitement. So who's going to take that chance with him? So um, he made a lot of money with Hearn. Hearn was pretty honest. Hearn said, hey, uh, I can't get you the big fights. I can't get him. Go with PBC. So he started the deal now with Heyman, and he better keep sending Christmas cards to Heyman because Heyman, you know, Heyman makes a lot of money for his fighters. Like him, That's hate him, sure. whatever. He makes no a, question. And Hearn made a lot of money for him. I, I don't want to dismiss that um, and let that get hidden. Uh, fair is fair. But uh, PBC, you know, Heyman's got the Showtime. He's got the Fox. Uh, he gets his guys in there. He plays musical chairs with his guys fighting each other too, you know, where uh, they 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 will fight, they will get taken care of and they will fight this guys all, like all the promoters that are in-house, that, that are controlled by them, you know. They, they rarely are going to go anywhere across the street to make a fight that, you know, that we really want unless... Because they don't control that guy, that side of the street. 
Um, and that's the problem with boxing. UFC, one guy controls everything. Dana White, he controls everything. There's no fights that can't be made or that won't be made because he's not going to be in control of it. Uh, you know, but there are plenty of fights that Aaron will make with ESPN and Heyman can't make with PBC and Hearn can't make with the zone and Warren can't make with, you know, because, or De La Hoya can't make, those are the, those are the four or five power brokers in boxing. They can't make, or they won't make because again, they don't control both sides. And every once in a while you you know, the stars will line up, right? A guy will become a free agent or, or the stars will line up where there's so much money involved that both sides will come together, give the fights, the fans the fight they want. But unfortunately, sometimes it happens too late, you know, where the fighters aren't at their prime no more. And I don't know if that's going to happen with Spence, you know, with, with Spence and Crawford. I don't know if it's going to go down that road. But um, at the end of the day, uh, as you said, uh, not an exciting fight uh, I did make a few notes I did actually hear a commentator say that the fight was exciting Ken I actually heard that <laughs> and I, I just want to I, I don't know Ken I mean how do you spell shilling is that how you spell <laughs> shilling I, I mean what other explanation is it for it I mean I, for the I guys, remember, for the guys calling the fight, they spell it J O B. You want to keep working? Tell us how good the fight is. I guess that's why I don't have a job, right? Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's probably pretty. That's not. You don't exactly have to be uh, the amazing <laughs> Kreskin to figure that one out. But I made a note to myself that the commentator probably also thinks that T ball is like riveting. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it, it, really? I mean, you call that fight? Exciting. Uh, what is not exciting? I mean, you know, what is your really? You you got a pretty low bar. You got a pretty low freaking bar. Uh, I mean, and, how do you Teddy, even say I, I, that? I've heard, with regards to Andre, I've heard you say before um, when when thinking about fighters and looking exciting and bringing the drama. Like, hey. Tonight, let's just win. Tomorrow, at the next fight, we'll worry about looking good. With someone like Andre, if you're advising him, what do you tell him? Like, like, what does that well, he guy tried. do? Ken, that's a good point you're bringing up. But he tried. He got the memo. The kid got the memo. He's not stupid. He came out there really hot, fast, aggressive, which he doesn't do. But it, it's not him. It didn't work out. I mean, Nicholson's good enough to survive it, the initial onslaught, and it didn't work out. The other thing I made a note to myself was when I saw the replay of the knockdown or the alleged knockdown, and it wasn't a knockdown, but they scored in a knockdown, another reason why I'm not working because the thing that became evident, and I would have brought it up on the air, Ken, would have been fun, but the thing that became evident that if that was a knockdown, then Nicholson has a glass elbow. Because <laughs> he got hit on the elbow. So yeah. he doesn't have a glass chin. He's got a glass elbow, okay? And that's why he went down. And that's why Teddy Atlas ain't going to be commentating anytime soon <laughs> because you would have heard that and, and, and everything that would have followed after hearing that. So uh, I'll tell you... Uh, it could be some fun, though, couldn't it? Imagine imagine if I could get back to doing that. I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know how many people like rocking a boat, 
or even with me, it probably would be more like sinking the boat. But um, and and one other note I made: Abner, the former fighter, good fighter, former world champion, uh, the commentator, he was at least honest. Where, you know, you know, they're trying to do everything as you said to keep their job and all that stuff. But at least he was honest. He said that you need to see more. And he needs to see more from Andre. That was that was pretty honest. Most of these guys don't even go that far. They don't even go that far. They just say, "Oh, he was great," you know. Oh, he won, you know. But he said it. He said, "No, you got to see." Uh, in this, if he's going to fight those kind of fights, you got to see more from him. And it, it was good to hear him say that. He's a fighter. I'm not shocked to he, that a former fighter would be honest. Um, not that they all are, but. Um, and I was happy because he was able to see that even with the sunglasses on indoors. You know, um, it, didn't ab- it didn't abstract his vision because why people are wearing sunglasses <laughs> while commentating on a fight indoors, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I saw a lot of people in the audience. You talked about the big audience, Ken. I saw a lot of people wearing sunglasses indoors, though. But they weren't commentating. I'm going to assume that those glasses are the kind of, I forget what they call them, photochromatic or something. They change into sunglasses when the light hits them. Maybe. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume No, no, no. Maybe they issue. are because I'm, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure that it's the fashionable thing. It's the cool thing. It's the cool look. It's a, yeah, probably. But when you're commentating, I'm not sure that the... You the producer should have said to, to him, unless he, has an, unless he has an issue, like, take the sunglasses off, dude. We're trying to connect with the audience. If uh, they well, can't see your eyes, you're not really building a bond with anyone. That, that's, that's a good uh, point. I digress. And, and, and here's another note. Um, these punch numbers, Ken. I mean, they hit us over the head with them, but please stop. <laughs> please stop. I mean, they're just not accurate. They tell you what a great percentage of punches that Andre is landing, but the truth is, most of them were blocked. He wasn't landing those punches. He landed some, but the the bulk of them, the ones they're talking about, the percentage they're talking about, if they were landing, the guy be in the hospital. I mean, <laughs> the, the he would have knocked the guy out. And the fight would have been over, and and it would have been exciting. They were being blocked. I, I mean, Jesus, can we be real here? Really, can we? <laughs> All right, let's get into the next fight. This one was a bummer for me. I'm a big fan of Rashidi Ellis, Speedy Rashidi from Boston. He uh, takes the L to Royman uh, Villa. Uh, Both guys, well, Ellis comes in undefeated. Villa comes in with one loss. And um, I thought Rashidi Ellis probably won the first eight rounds. But getting knocked down twice in the last rounds. Didn't do him any favors, obviously. Uh, he takes a 10-7 loss there. Even at 10-9, he gets a majority draw. If he doesn't get dropped twice, his corner was telling him, stay away in the 12th round. It was clear he ran out of steam. I'm curious to hear your take. Do you think it's more conditioning, lack of experience, a combination of both? Like, what do you think went wrong? Or was Via just so tough that once he realized Rashidi couldn't hurt him, did he just start applying himself and open up a little bit more and changing Rashidi's uh, tactics as a result of his added aggressiveness. No, he was being aggressive all night. He just wasn't being effective aggressive. He was pressing, pressing, pressing. Pressure takes time to do its job. 
it takes time to wear a guy down. Pressure in pipes break pipes, um, but it takes time. And, and it breaks people, but it takes time. And the constant pressure was paying a toll. We didn't see it right away, but it was paying a toll on wearing down gradually Ellis. And also, Ellis had to work very hard to keep that separation between him and Villa. He had to keep his punches going had to punch at the right distance he had to stay alert all the time so even though it looks like an easy fight he's working very hard mentally and physically and emotionally to know that he's got to keep that separation that he's got to keep those pistons pumping to keep Villa from closing that gap so he so he's he's burning a lot of petrol um emotionally mentally to keep this guy off him and, and physically. And again, Villa keeps coming, keeps coming. He wasn't effective because he was coming, as I tweeted. He should have been coming behind the jab. Um, would have made him a lot more effective. And he should have been going to the body more, taking air out of the tires of Ellis to slow him down more. Um, he did some of that, but not nearly enough. But he was a one-dimensional, aggressive guy, Villa, who was losing round after round. But again, he was, by applying the pressure, he was doing what the sun does on a hot summer day where there's a puddle and the sun is beating on it, hitting on it. And it doesn't look like anything's happening. But then you come back two hours later and the puddle is half gone. That's what was happening in this fight. You come back eight rounds later, Ellis is half gone. He's starting to evaporate. Not from the sun, but from the pressure that's like the sun of, El of Villa. And Ellis is not a puncher. He's a fast guy. He's, he's technically solid. He's, he's, got, he's smart. He's a good kid. You can see that. He's a classy kid, the way he handled himself afterwards. He really is. Um, but he's not a puncher. And he's got a flaw. And I tweeted about the flaw. And you really, if you listen to my tweets, you would have not only known what was happening, I said it earlier, you would have known what was going to happen. I actually said that Villa's got a chance to catch Ellis stepping back. He's got a flaw where he steps out straight, tall, high. You should always step out low, small. Or step out from the right distance. Or go out the side door instead of the front door. But he steps out the front door, tall and high. And it was just, and he does it sometimes from too close. And it was just a matter of Villa timing him right. And speed is going to really show itself early. It really is. And it did. It did. It's a great weapon speed, great talent, great ability, great. You know, it's great to be able to have that, that kind of talent. But timing can negate speed. And I had kept tweeting that Villa needs to use timing. He needs to look to catch Ellis stepping out because Ellis does give you this opportunity. And sure enough, he finally did. He finally did. The Between the pressure all night, the, the sun beating down on that puddle, 
evaporating it slowly when you couldn't see that it was evaporating it. And then timing him stepping out. And all the energy that Ellis had exerted during the course of the night to keep Villa at a distance, to keep that separation he needed to keep. It all conspired against Ellis. It wasn't one thing. It wasn't that one left hook. It was, it was a combination of everything I just talked about. All of it coming together in a perfect storm to eventually get Villa across the finish line in a dramatic way. In a dramatic... Now listen. I thought that Ellis still probably won the fight where he where he put away enough early rounds, the first eight, and then a couple of the late ones. Now, Villa came on like a freight train. But I thought Ellis, again, had put away enough early rounds, Ken, where he had enough of a lead to survive even that really train wreck of the last round where he got dropped, you know, twice and... And he uh, got saved by the bell. He got saved by the bell. But I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to, because I'm not going to begrudge and I'm not going to take the, I'm not going to take the judges to task as I often do over this because I'm not going to begrudge Villa this win because he earned it. Because he earned it. He, the old fashioned freaking way. He came from behind. He didn't give in. He didn't get discouraged, and he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. He kept opening that throttle up more and more and more, and he behaved like a fighter. He behaved like a fighter, and by doing that, he won the fight for himself. Now listen, Ellis got tested in his fight. Ellis got tested in a way where it went beyond his talent that I talk about on the show all the time. That, yeah, we see, we see what the car looks like. Let's open up the hood and see what's under the hood. You know, we, uh, and we got to open the hood up with Ellis. He got, and we got to see what's under the hood. And guess what? There's something under the hood. He passed that test. Yeah, he's got to correct that flaw. That's why he lost. But he didn't lose because he didn't have something under the hood. He didn't lose because he was only a talented guy who fought the right guys. He lost because this guy broke him down and this guy this guy willed himself to win this fight, but not because of a shortcoming in that department of Ellis, which sometimes you get tested in these areas and you come up short in the area of character. Ellis did not come up short in the area of character. He came up aces, aces. He got physically broken down, but he didn't, he didn't add to his demise by giving in or breaking down on a mental level uh, by any, any means by submitting and being a co-conspirator to his demise, which fighters are sometimes. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, he, he fought like a champ, um, but he got physically broken down at the end because he got caught those clean punches stepping out uh, by Villa, who's a better puncher than him, and late in a fight where he was used up a little bit, where the, the gas tank was 
was getting a little empty. But hats off, hats off to Ellis for the character he showed, for showing that there was something under the hood. He's not just a fast guy. He's a fighter. And hats off to Villa for doing what he did, being behind for half of the night, maybe a little more than half of the night, really, to be honest, about eight rounds, and then still finding a way, doing what the definition of fighting is, which is finding a way, overcoming, overcoming. And it's something, and we'll get into it specifically in a little while, but it's to whet the appetites of our audience out there to keep them around. It's something that Garcia was not able to do, quite frankly. He was not able to do. He knew how to fight like a fighter, but when push came to shove, he didn't know how to behave like a fighter. And that's it. And some people ain't going to like it. I'm not a doctor. I'll be the first one to say, I'm not a doctor. I'm not in his body. But I'm in this business 50 years. And if when he says that he can't see, all right, listen, that could be scary. Something could be going on. I get it. I get it. But I also get it that a lot of fighters have been in those positions where they've been hurt and where they've been shaken up. And they've found a way. You know why? Because they understand that that is what they sign up for. That's part of the deal, getting hurt. Yeah, you, you hate to hear me say, well, it's a tough sport, like football. It's a tough sport. It's, it's, it's part of the deal. It's part of what can happen. Yeah, there's a risk. There's a risk. But part of fighting, part of UFC, part of MMA, part of boxing, all of this with this gladiator um, warrior sport that it is, with these real-life warriors, titans, gladiators, part of the deal is getting hurt. And what do you do when you get hurt? Getting hurt. Oh, getting hurt and being able to deal with it. Now, we're not talking about when it goes to that other place where it's life-threatening and all. And, and it can't go to those places. I get it. That's why these fighters can never get paid too much money in my estimation because of the risks that they take. They deserve as much as they can get. You could get a Brinks truck, pull up, get the Brinks truck, pull it up if they can get that. What I'm saying is that the nature of the beast, the nature of my sport that I've been in 50 years of, this sport that we talk about every week is that it's the hurt business. Yeah, yeah, you, if you don't know how to deal with being hurt, you got to get out. <laughs> you got to get out because they all get hurt. They all get hurt. And and it's a matter of what do you do when you're hurt. And I'm going to talk about it more specifically when we get to the fight, but I'll say it now. It's a saying that I've said. I said it on the Joe Rogan show three, four years ago. Our, our great man here who does our filming and we have a great crew with everything with everything but sam rivera he put together an incredible emotional inspirational video i think that he took from that interview it's out there on youtube if you want to find it and it's what i said to joe rogan a fight and i'm sure there's a lot of people going to be borrowing this now all right, <laughs> borrowing it now, right? You know, I wish I got residuals for this stuff, but you don't. A fight's not a fight until there's something to overcome. Until then, it's just an athletic exhibition. That's it. 
Like like my my friend Danny Hurley, who I think is the best coach in college basketball. The best coach in college basketball. He's got UConn. He's got UConn uh, number four now in the country. They they were they started off like fourteen and zero. They lost two in a row. And Saturday they came back and they won a game they had to win. And he had his troops ready. They had to fight. It wasn't a matter of being good basketball players the other day when they were risking losing. They were losing again, risking losing three in a row. No, it wasn't about winning a basketball game. It was about winning a fight. That's what it was about, winning a fight. And and that's why he's such a good coach. Yeah, he, he knows how to do all the technical stuff, the X's and O's. You got to be a teacher. But he also understands this, this. It ain't a fight to there's something to overcome. It's not a basketball game, a real basketball game, a championship level, until there's something to overcome. There's, it's, you don't know about anyone until they're in that position. You don't know if a doctor's a doctor, a, a lawyer's a lawyer, a teacher's a teacher, a, a anything, anything. A fighter is a fighter. You don't know until there's something difficult resistance something to overcome and when that moment came and it's always coming it's in everyone's future if you're in this kind of business sooner or later sooner or later that guy's gonna knock on your door sooner or later and when he knocks on your door you better be freaking ready to handle that knock you better be ready because it's coming it's coming and that's what happened in the Garcia fight with Tank Davis. That when that knock came on the door and he got hurt. And listen, he's okay. Thank God he's okay. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, Teddy. Yeah, I understand. It could have went bad. It could have been some. I get it. It always could be. I get it. But when you knock on that door, you better freaking understand what that knock is all about. Because it was always coming. It was always coming. And you better know how to freaking deal with it. And he didn't. When the time came, he knew how to fight like a fighter. It was a close fight after seven rounds. He knew how to fight like a fighter, but he didn't know how to behave on like one when that knock came at the door. Anyway. Yep. Where are we? Where are we? Well, that brings Bro- us Boots Ennis versus Karen Shakajan. Um, Shakajan comes in 21, 21 and... 21 and one. He lost his second fight of his career in a split decision. So, um, you know, the guy, the guy's had a lot of fights, but like you say, it all depends on who he's fighting. Um, Boots Ennis obviously comes in undefeated. I think he was the mandatory for Errol Spence prior to Errol Spence getting in a car accident. Um, looks like that fight with Boots Ennis and Errol Spence has a good chance of getting made if Errol doesn't get in with Terrence Crawford. Um, but I'm curious to hear what you think here because I don't think Boots Ennis based on what I saw against Shaka John, does too well against Errol Spence, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, I certainly don't think that Rashidi Ellis and Boots Ennis is going to be competitive, not from what I've seen from the two of those guys to, um, on Saturday. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that potential matchup as well. Um, but Boots Ennis does what he has to do. According to the judges, he wins every single round. I think Karen Shaka John was probably a little bit better than most people thought, at least in terms of his footwork and ability. He just It's hard to win if you're not going to throw punches and be offensive, but he he certainly could move okay. Um, what'd you think of that one? And what'd you think of Shaka John? First, I'm going to go to what you said. I'm going to go to that first and work my way 
backwards, forwards. Um, the answer is yes and no. Ellis will have trouble with those top guys. He's going to correct a few things, but he is a fighter, so I don't, I don't leave him out because he is a fighter and he showed me that character of a fighter. But he's going to have to work a few things out. Ennis, you're wrong, in my opinion. He can fit in there with those top guys. Uh, and I'll tell you why. He's a complete package, and I'm going to go a step further. It's going to probably get a few draws to drop right now, hearing me say this. But that was I was more impressed by that outing of Ennis than all of his highlight reel fights before that. And they were highlight reel fights. All those wins before that where he was blowing guys out, he was too big, too strong, too good, blowing guys out of the freaking ring. I was more impressed, and it was a one-sided fight. Not exciting, but I was more impressed with that performance than every one of his wins. And they would, like I said, all the wins before that were like a Michael Jordan the great basketball player, like a highlight reel. So dunks and flying through the air, but not really seeing the complete basketball player. And you got a chance to see the complete fighter with Ennis. He was in there with a guy that has talent, a guy that knows how to fight. He's got a big amateur background, a guy who has a terrible style, a style that nobody would want to fight. I wouldn't fight him. If I'm a manager, I ain't fighting that guy. And let me tell you, that guy, Chokasian, he could beat a lot of guys. He could beat, but he's kind of like in the same boat as Andre and even Shakur Stevenson in some ways, although Shakur Stevenson is going to get guys to fight him. But the most difficult thing about these guys is their styles. Yeah, they got talent, but their styles is a part of their talent. They have difficult styles. This guy, Trakasian, his style is beyond difficult. It's like difficult on steroids. I, I mean, you can't look good with him. And he, he knows how to survive. And then he knows how to do enough to win sometimes if you give him a chance. But Ennis was too good for that. Ennis was too good. He would have beat, he would have beat, he would have beat 90% of the welterweight class. Yeah, I got George dropping. He would, I said it again, in case your ears are clogged up, because I know some of you guys, the ears get clogged up. You don't use those swabs I told you to use. You got to use those swabs with a little alcohol. Some of you, especially my brothers and sisters across the pond. I love you, but you got to use those swabs, you know, um, sometimes. He would have beat 90%, maybe 95% of the welterweight class. Um, this guy is really, he is, he is a nightmare to deal with because of his style and his ability. And if he wasn't as good as he is, he would have lost this guy. And it showed me things that you couldn't see with all those highlight reel wins that he's been putting together over the last several years. He showed me poise because those things are talents. He showed me his character. He showed me his patience. He showed me his his mentality to his understanding where he could keep himself together when 
a part of him could have easily gotten so frustrated and could have went off the side of the road easily with this kind of guy because he wants to look good. He wants to knock the guy out. He wants to do all the thing that everyone else wants. And he might have thought he was going to do that until he got in there. But he showed me defensive responsibility, reflexes, uh, timing, uh, technique, all things that I saw bits and pieces of it, even on the highlight reel, but never to this dimension, never to this depth where all of those things had to be there. Although he had to be a solid guy defensively, he uh, with with his offense that he wasn't reckless, with his again with his cerebralness, where he was able to be smart enough to figure it out, with his temperament where he didn't lose himself, like Michael Jordan used to talk about that you you let the game get away from you, you know he didn't let that happen. He stayed within the game, within the fight. Because he's the full package, emotionally, mentally, and technically, and talent-wise, pure talent-wise. So don't get down on him. Don't sell your stock in Ennis. I know that there's, there was a sale the next day where you could have bought Ennis stock a lot cheaper. It dropped. It dropped like, you know, like, like if it was Apple. Apple stock is very expensive. And then, you know, if something goes wrong, they have one bad phone, boom, it's going to drop down. It's going to drop down from $1,500 a share, whatever the figure is, to maybe, you know, maybe uh, $800 a share. If that happens with Ennis, I'm buying. Because he, I, I'm saying it again. He impressed me more in this fight than all his fights put together before. He's the real deal. He And every fighter, every great fighter, every top fighter has one of these on their resume. They have to. You need it. It's part of the process. It's part of the journey. That was and his first 12-rounder. And it's part of what's going to make you, but it's what happened inside those 12. That's what matters. Yeah. And it, it's part of what's going to make you a better fighter, make you ready to win a world title, make you ready in all areas when that title comes. And now he's more ready than he ever was. Now he is. And I'm more ready to back him now. Because I got answers that I didn't have before when he was just going through these guys like a hot knife through butter. You know, I, I, I got answers that I didn't have. And I got it because he beat a very difficult guy to deal with in, in so many areas. So I, I, I was, like I said, very impressed. Um, I, uh, you know, fighting a guy... Fighting a guy like like this, it's like putting a it's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. One of those five thousand piece jigsaw puzzles. I don't know about you, but I I I get lost after twenty pieces. You know what I mean? You give me those twenty piece ones, I'm good. I sit down with my grandkids and I could I could figure it out. But you get into those freaking five thousand piece ones, leave forget me. And that's what fighting a guy like this is. It's like trying to put together one of those 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzles. And he found a way to do it. Uh, the picture wasn't beautiful. <laughs> it wasn't beautiful. But he got it put together. Um, he being Ennis. So, uh, again, I'm... 
How do you I'm like big, him for us? How do you like him for us? How do you like? And one other uh, thing. One other thing about Ennis. I like his personality. He's yeah, together. I do too. And now he's together. He's together. He's got class. I mean, whoever's involved with him, his parents, everybody, they're doing a hell of a good job with this guy. They they are. Go ahead, Ken. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I like him too, personally. How do you uh, how do you like him versus Spence? What would you make the odds there if you had to uh, put a line on that fight? Look, you, Spence is... I, I tell you, if he fought Spence, I got Spence just a very slight favorite. Very slight. Not what people might think. Very slight. Almost an even fight. Spence has the... Obviously, he's got the advantage of experience, being the champ, being there, fighting You know the better fighters. He's been down his path more times as far as getting tested, as far as, you know, sort of taking the car out on the racetrack. He's been out on the racetrack where where Ennis has been in, you know, he's been on side roads. You know, he's he hasn't had to go on the racetrack. Um, he's been on side roads doing these, these kind of street races, you know, for the most part. Um, and and he's blowing he's blowing people away in those races. Spence, of course, has you know he's been to the he's been to the Indianapolis 500s. You know he that stuff that matters that matters. You know he's been there, he's done that. He knows the answers to some questions that Ennis is just finding out those answers. He's just. Now starting to really find out. He thinks he's got the answers, but now he's finding out, do I really have them? Do I really have them? Where Spence already has them. And there, there's a, there's, that gives you an advantage. There's a lot to be said for that advantage. In life. In life in general. I mean, in anything. I could make that analogy with anything. You know, you take a lawyer in a courtroom and, you know, you got a guy that just got out of Harvard Law School, top of his class. He brilliant, brilliant. Professors say he's the smartest guy I ever taught. And, but I'm taking the experienced guy over him uh, in a trial until he gets more experience, until he gets some of those questions answered about himself, until he goes down that road a little bit, until, you know, he gets uh, dirtied a little bit, if you will, you know. Um, so same thing here. Uh, yeah, you got to give Spence the, the edge, but I'll tell you, that would, be, uh, that would be as close to a pick-em fight as you could get with Spence right now, unless he's fighting Crawford, of course, you know. But other than that, he separates himself from everybody, and I, and for me, Ennis is uh, is the real deal, as I said before. Cool. Well, let's get on to the main event. Tank Davis handles business um, against Hector Garcia. You you touched on it earlier. Hector Garcia after the eighth round goes back to his corner, says, "I can't see." I think that that's the universal sign to whether you can see or you can't see. If you tell your corner and anyone else hears you say, "I can't see," the fight's over. Um, so he basically said he couldn't see. Fight's over. He regained his sight in time for the inter- post-fight interview. Um, like you said, it's hard to know if, if, if he could couldn't see. If he couldn't see, couldn't see. But um, you know, to me, looked like it was one step short of saying no mas and um tank davis put it on him in the eighth round clipped him with some good shots but i didn't see anything that really like was so devastating that garcia was in the fight all night long it was competitive fight i thought um 
But Tank Davis gets the win, and it's on to Ryan Garcia. What would you think of the fight? Well, as far as hurting him in that round, um, what was the eighth round, right? Yep. Uh, Davis landed a really well-done counterpunch, a left hand timed, really timed, not just power, but delivery, timing. That's that's what Davis is. He's not just, and I think he solidified that in people's minds. I hope he did at least, that he's more than just a good puncher. And I think I recognized this before most people, where I put him on a pound-for-pound, ten-pound-for-pound list and all that stuff um, because I saw him as more than just a puncher. He's a complete fighter. He's gotten better and better and better. He, Because he's a complete fighter, he's able to handle good fighters like this even if you don't get him out right away because he brings the other elements that you have to bring to the game. Uh, he's... He when he had to counter punch in that eighth round and time the punch right with a good fighter and Garcia is a good fighter. He did. Um, the jab was really, really, probably the most important punch for both fighters in this fight, because it started out cautious, which it had to, because both guys were they're smart. They're both complete fighters. They know how to. They know what they're in there with. They know the dangers. You have to be cautious. But at the same time, you have to find a way as you're being cautious and responsible to be able to find a way to get to the guy. And the jab was that the beginning of that way for both guys. It was the safest way to prod, to 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 find your way, to get to where you had to get to while you were trying to get there early on without getting into too much trouble. The jab was so important. And the difference in the jabs was Davis's was more aggressive. Davis Davis jab was a little more aggressive, and after he started to be a little bit of the boss again, the boss in a careful way, a cautious way, a responsible way, not a reckless way, but started to impact the fight where he was starting to put pressure on and starting to show that he's going to be in charge. Uh, Garcia can showed that he's a really he showed why I said he could win this fight uh, which I had said and that this fight could be dangerous and it was it was a close fight for eight rounds seven rounds seven and a half whatever you want to call it but he showed why I thought that much of him he's he's smart he's a good counter puncher he knows how to control range the difference was Davis knew how to close range without leaving himself available. He started inching his way, inching his way in, slowly but surely. You know, kind of like that old that old show, the the Three Stooges. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was so <laughs> funny when you had Mo and you had Curly, and then Curly was a little crazy, and you ask Curly, you say to Curly. Remember that day in Niagara Falls, and then all of a sudden, uh, the guy would go, Niagara Falls, slowly but surely, step by step, I turned, and I, you know, and then he went crazy. Uh, You know, he started going nuts, and then Mo would have to, like, slap him or something. Um, But that's kind of what Davis did. Slowly but surely, I found my way 
not in Niagara Falls, but where in the ring, where he does took the little steps in a deliberate fashion that started getting him closer and closer to his objective, which was the chin of Mr. Garcia. And he finally found it with a well-placed, well-executed time shot in the eighth round. But a lot of things happened that we have to talk about before that and during that that nobody else is going to talk about because they're afraid. They, they because they don't want to rock the boat because they want to get their paycheck because they don't they they want to stay with the agenda they they want to whatever but they they just they they want to stay with the the you know with the narrative that you know uh, that that you want to have when you're building a fighter up like Tank Davis now listen again. Tank Davis, a complete fighter. He's on my pound-for-pound pound list. Complete fighter. And, and a dangerous fighter. But something happened in that eighth round that nobody... They, I can't believe the comment. It's your job to talk about it. And it's my job and your job, Ken, to talk about it here. And I would be remiss. I would be as irresponsible as they were if I didn't talk about it now on this show for the audience. That... I had a fight, something broke up, some kind of fracas broke out in the audience in the eighth round. And all of a sudden, Tank Davis just stops. And when he stopped, he's just looking. Now, maybe it was a friend of his because there was strange things going on before from that. What because from what I've read online, Meek Mill was having a disagreement with one of the Gary Russell Jr. boys that were, might have been rooting against Tank and Meek Mill and some of the other Tank supporters were then having words with um, the well, Russell, bro Russell brothers. That's what I heard. All right, and, so uh, I'm, I'm accurate. Yeah, One of his friends. Accurate. Yes. So somebody in his entourage, somebody in his, somebody who's a friend of his, and all of a sudden a fight starts, a fracas starts, and there was also signs of something a couple rounds earlier, which was unusual. In all, in a corner, you don't usually have a fighter, hear a fighter saying, hey, is so-and-so here? Where's so-and-so? Where's so <laughs> Usually you're concentrating on a jab and a right hand that might be coming at you. You know, really. But uh, so he was already asking questions that are normally not asked in a fight. You know, uh, is so-and-so here? So-and-so, whatever. Now you get to the eighth round, and this fracas breaks out, and he stops, and he looks outside the ring. Let me tell you something. It would have been in the right of Garcia. I'll tell you one thing. His mentor, Floyd Mayweather, would have went after him and cracked him. He did it with Victor Ortiz. Ortiz. He did it with Victor Ortiz years ago. There's a saying in boxing, Ken, it's, it's as old as the sport. Protect yourself at all times. Protect yourself at all times. If the referee don't step in there and stop, you protect yourself before the referee does. You protect yourself at all times. He stopped. There are no timeouts in boxing, last I checked. There are none. And there are no pit stops like there are in a race. Where you that Mayweather one, that Mayweather where, one you talk about is one of the most famous. That's also the one where... Um, 
where um who's the comment larry merchant asked him after the fight about it and then they got into a, a, a disagreement yeah. and, and he told them if i were 20 50 years yeah. younger i'd kick your ass that was Mergen, pretty funny but merchant was great i like floyd but merchant was great merchant was merchant was iconic he was great and that's yeah. part of why he was great because he said what needed to be said he wasn't yes. afraid he had guts he wasn't he was smart but he was also he was also honest and brave enough to to say things that not everyone might want to hear or really really be so you know uh, that might not be the fashionable or the easy thing to say that the network might not the network sometimes might not I even didn't like even it. think I didn't even think his line of questioning was that bad. No, no, Vic, no. He Victor was doing, Ortiz headbutted him, smashed him like no, real aggressive. A, they they touched gloves and Floyd cracked him. And Floyd said, protect yourself at all times. The guy just played dirty doing, with me. Listen, so, Floyd and is, him had a little problem probably with each other anyway. Yeah, um, for sure. As far as personalities. But the bottom line is Floyd was within his rights to do what he did, and so was Larry. Matter of fact, yes. more than within his rights. Larry was doing his job. I'm saying that the commentators that night, okay, you want me to spit it out? They didn't do their job because they should have said something about what was going on instead of, of being quiet about it. And, and Larry would have said something. Larry Merchant would have said something. Like it or not, and, and, and maybe the truck doesn't even like it sometimes because they know who the house fighter is. They kind of like that Bob Dylan song. They know which way the wind's blowing. But, yeah. <laughs> but Larry would have said it. I would have said it. I'm not making myself anything. But I would have said it because it needs to be said because it's your effing job, your freaking job to say it, Okay. Uh, not to take, not to put your finger up in the air and see which way the air's blowing, the wind's blowing, to see whether or not it's safe to say it. No, it's something that should be said. You should say it. Anyway, Garcia, Davis turns around and looks outside the ring, and Garcia goes along with it. Garcia, I say it again, he would have been within his right to go across there and crack him. He would have been within his right because protect yourself at all times, and. The referee, he didn't do his job because the referee, like, for that moment, lost track of everything. He he got caught up in being a spectator. You can't be a spectator. You got to be the referee. You got to be an arbiter. You got to be an arbiter. You're not a ref. You're not a freaking, you're not a spectator. You didn't buy, no one sold you a ticket to the fight. You got a job to do. And right there, the referee should have, you know, immediately grabbed these guys and said, hey, we got to fight. We're, we're not here to watch a fight. We're here to perform <laughs> a fight. You know, who would have thought you're going to go to a fight and the main event in a fight are going to become spectators to another fight? I mean, that doesn't happen too often. But that's what, and it reminded me a little, and I tweeted a little bit in a different way about the fan man fight years ago with, with Riddick Bowe and Evander Holyfield in their rematch when that idiot, that schmuck, <laughs> uh, the, the poor guy, he got the crap beat out of him. Oh, but what he But Ken, oh my God, what a schmuck. And, and he flies in on a parachute into the ring, disturbs the fight, and the fight is delayed. He gets beat up. The fight's done. Now this fight, oh my God. This fight He's didn't lucky get, someone didn't get hurt with that big stupid uh, yeah. fan. Uh, well, of course. Uh, that's why they, I guess they beat him up. Uh, no, but, beat the crap out of him. But here's, and especially, you don't know if it's a terrorist. You don't, I mean, of you don't course. know what it is. It's coming from the sky. But here's the thing. 
This one didn't disrupt the rhythm of the fight as long, but it still disrupted the rhythm, the tempo, the the flow of the fight. It did. Whether it was 30 seconds, 40 seconds, whatever it was, the other one was minutes. But this was, it was still disrupted the flow of the fight. And I thought that Garcia was having a good round. And then, and I couldn't believe one of the commentators said, oh, that hurts Tank Davis because he was having a good, no, no, no. <laughs> I, heard, I noticed that I, too. I, I don't know what you're watching here, but from where my viewpoint was, without sunglasses or whatever these guys are wearing at ringside nowadays, from my viewpoint, Garcia was having a good round and I'm not blaming the whole thing on him. The better fighter won. But it did change the tempo and the flow and the dynamic of the fight. And next thing you know, Tank Davis is having a better round, and Tank Davis, of course, hurts him. Um, I'm not saying it wouldn't happen anyway, but it did it did arguably change things. It did possibly, I mean, it did. It became an X factor. It, it became something that, that was thrown into the mix that wasn't supposed to be in the mix. And, and I'll say it again. Garcia, and maybe he showed that he don't have that mentality that Floyd the great Floyd Mayweather has. Floyd would have went right after him and knocked him out like he did with Victor Ortiz because it would have been within his rights and he's in a ring and he's in boxing and he knows his business. He's in the hurt business, Ken. He's in the hurt business. He's in a dangerous business. And when you're in the ring with me, everything is fair that's fair. And, and as long as the referee don't say I can't hit you, I'm going to hit you. And if you wanted to, if you decide to start looking at your friends out in the audience fighting, guess what? Do it at your own risk. Do it at your own peril because I'm going to freaking crack you. And, and Garcia didn't. And that might have been the most telling sign. My son, Teddy, who's a great scout, obviously, in football, and right now he's working for the NFLPA, he's got a great eye in boxing. The first thing he said to me, well, well he's been around it his whole life. The first thing he said to me was, Dad, that kind of told you all you needed to know about Garcia. When, it, when he didn't jump on him, when he didn't jump on him right there and he just, he just went along with it, it's almost like he was glad to get a break, a reprieve. Like, like, like almost like I talk about making a silent agreement for a minute. Like, like just not to deal with it. Just not to have to deal with it. You're in the ring. You're a fighter. Your that your your whole purpose of being in that ring is to hit the other guy, you know. Uh, that should be your mentality. And he showed a little bit of a glimpse of the lacking of that mentality, a little bit. And Teddy was right. My son was right. So anyway, then he gets hurt. And as I said earlier, and I'll say it again, up to that point for seven rounds, Garcia was in this fight. Garcia, I had it, I think, four to three. And that's another issue we're going to have to get into. But I had it four to three for Tank Davis going into the eighth round. I believe that's what I had. It was a close fight. Any way you look at it, if you're going to be honest and you, and, and you know anything about fighting, it was a close fight. Garcia was doing what he had to do, trying to control range, trying to counterpunch. Anytime he got an opportunity to try to, you know, slip in some quick shots, knowing that he had to get out of town fast, he couldn't stay he couldn't stay in Dodge too long. Because if he stayed in Dodge after after sundown, he was gonna get shot. 
He was going to get shot. So he knew that. So he was fighting the right kind of fight. And it was a close fight. And then he gets hurt. He survives it. He goes back to his corner and he quits. And there's no other way to say it. Yeah, he said he couldn't see and all that. And thank God he's okay. And is there a chance, Teddy, there could be hemorrhaging going on in this, in, in this sport? Uh, uh, yeah, anytime. Anytime. But most likely, you're hearing something that you hear a lot of times in this business. I can't see for a moment. I got, I got my clock. I got my bell rung. I got my clock cleaned. <laughs> I saw white lights. Yeah, go ask all the great fighters how many times they've seen white lights, how many times they've seen stars when they weren't outdoors. They were indoors, and they saw stars in front of them. Yeah, and they overcame it. If they're a fighter that went on to be a great fighter, they found a way to overcome it. They overcame it because it's called fighting, overcoming. And like I said earlier, a fight's not a fight until there's something to overcome, until there's resistance, something difficult to deal with, something to overcome. Up until then, it's just an exhibition, an athletic exhibition. Who's quicker? Who's slicker? Who's this? Who's that? But once somebody gets hurt, once there's something to overcome, there's distress, there's there's a problem, you know, like, like you're, you're here in a spaceship. Houston, we got a problem. Houston, we got a problem. Okay, those astronauts were, you know, they, they were trained to deal with that problem. Uh, you know, not to hit a parachute and jump out. You know, they're going to deal with that problem. They're going to say, okay, we got to do this. We got to look at this. We got to look at that, th this, that. All right, I got to be an astronaut now. Now I got to be an astronaut. Now I got to, before I was just a guy who knew how to go to high, uh, to, to high heights. <laughs> I knew how to uh, fly a plane or, or a spaceship fast. But now I got to be an astronaut. Well, now Garcia had to be a fighter. And he came up short. He came up short. You know, thank God he's okay. Again, I understand I'm not a doctor. I understand I'm not in his body. But I understand this business I've been in 50 years. I understand the fighters that have been down that same road. Because it's a road that if you're in this business, sooner or later you're on. Sooner or later you're going down that road. Sooner or later, sooner or later, you are going to be on that road if you're in this business long enough. And when he got on the road, he, uh, you know, he spit the pit. You know, he, and instead of, uh, and say, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to get back in the car, he put his thumb out and he went hitchhiking. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, instead of saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep driving this freaking car. I gotta, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way. Yeah. It's a little rocky now, but hey, this is the business I'm in. This is what I signed up for. But obviously... Uh, he didn't behave like a fighter when the moment to behave. He fought like a fighter, but he didn't know how to behave. And that's it. If it's too harsh for some of you out there, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm, go get some warm milk. Go, go, go talk to somebody. Really, get some warm milk and, and a cookie and go, in a, go inside and talk to somebody and feel better. <laughs>
get away from here though because this is going to be upsetting okay <laughs> teddy all official right. all right official, buddy official scorecards after eight rounds two uh two judges had it 79 73 because here ah, because that's the final part of this that's so horrible that's so horrible that once again they were gonna rob him that that at the end of the day with all this that i talked about and broke down properly it didn't matter because as long as davis got through that fight he was gonna win because they were gonna take care of the house fighter because this sport damn it i didn't want to use this word again but this sport has a corrupt side to it okay all right I hope you didn't you didn't spill your milk and, and throw up your cookies because you probably did. But I would too. Because I gotta live in this sport, knowing that it's got that corrupt side to it. And listen, taking nothing away from Davis. Davis, Dave and Davis did his job. Did his job. He was the better fighter. The better fighter. But those judges didn't do their job. Oh, they did do their job. That's the scary. That's the scary part of that. That they did their job. That they were making sure their guy was going to be protected. Even though he didn't need it. He didn't need it. But just in case, they were making sure. Because there's no way, Ken. I'm sorry I disrupted you. Go back to it. But there's no way that those scores should have been those scores. I had it 4-3. to three. All right, you want to have it one or two points? Fine, but go ahead. It was, go, it, I think you had it five three. It was stopped in between. Was it stopped after yeah, yeah. the eighth round? Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, two judges had it seventy nine seventy three. Seven rounds to one. One guy had it six rounds to two for seventy eight seventy four. I was looking online just out of curiosity. What Ken, most Ken, journalists is there said, any way that you could see that score? Seriously, there's not a not a chance. Everyone, everyone. Every journalist who or, or anyone who was scoring it that I can see, I looked at boxing scene, bad left hook, all of them, they all had it like you. They had it 77-75, basically five rounds, five rounds to three. Yeah, yeah, all right. Probably, if you're count, see, I didn't count that round initially, but if you're going to count that round, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you have it 5-3, yes. Yeah, so you had... I mean, basically, everyone saw it that way, meaning Garcia was in the fight. He got, he got cracked some good shots, no question, but he didn't go down. He didn't look to be hurt really bad, but again, I'm not in his shoes. Um, but what was a competitive fight? And like to your point, he just, he had enough. Uh, I think the whole thing was overwhelming to him. I thought he looked overwhelmed from the beginning. I was impressed with that he would look as good as he did because even in the interviews before the fight, I thought he looked very intimidated and uneasy about the whole about everything that was going on. This was a huge stage, by far the biggest stage he'd ever been on. This fight was huge. $75 pay-per-view, sold out arena, place going mad 1 a.m the crowds and in the ring with a very very dangerous fighter 100 uh, percent. who was starting uh, to gain steam and starting to get to him and, and, and listen again that, uh, just so the people out there that was i i was only judging it going into the eighth it was i had it what four to three going into the eighth so yeah. after the eighth yeah i never finished my scorecard because i never got there but after the eighth it would have been five three, yes. Yep. And but to have it six one seven seven one seven one, Ken. <laughs> I mean, really, Ken. When you do that, really, when you do that, you. I'm surprised, Teddy. I'm surprised they you gave him one judge. round. 
You I'm surprised be, they gave no, him one but, round. I'm, I'm serious. When you, when you do that, you shouldn't be a freaking, really, you shouldn't be allowed to be a judge. I mean, if there was a national commission, which I fought for for years to get a national czar, a national commission in this business, if, if, I, if there was a real commission, a real commission, there's not, but if there was in one of these states, if I'm the head of that commission or that czar, I'm calling those judges the next day when this fight's over, I'm calling them in. I'm calling the referee in too, and I'm saying to the ref, what the frick were you doing looking out there at the altercation? You're not supposed to be looking at the altercation in the ring, outside the ring. You're supposed to be looking at the altercation in the ring. <laughs> the altercation in the ring, not the altercation outside the ring. What the frick were you doing? You're not going to ref for me no more until you get your crap straightened out. You got to get your stuff straightened out here, guy. And then I would have called the judges in. I would have sat down with them, put the, put the film on, and I would have said, explain to me now how you got it seven to one. Explain to me, okay? And then after they, you know, after they fumbled through their, their lies or whatever, then I would have said, okay, listen, take a vacation. Take a, take a vacation for the next uh, six months. You're not working. And then, um, and then you know, I'll put you, I'll, maybe I'll put you back on some small fights. Uh, maybe go back to the amateurs, work some fights, you know, and then get a little more practice, you know, work out the kinks a little bit. And when you're ready to be a professional judge, then, then I would, you come back here and you can reapply for reinstatement, Okay. All right, buddy. Now, please get out of here. All right, <laughs> uh, because I'm, I'm I'm tired of it. I'm up to here, Ken. I'm up to here with this. I mean, it's just you're you're hurting fighters that risk everything. You're hurting them. You're you're hurting the business too. You're chasing fans away. You know, at the end of the day, if we do get, if we do get to a Garcia, the other Garcia, the real Garcia. Before you get to that, before you get to that, I just want to give a shout out to today's sponsors, Athletic Greens. Teddy, you know I've been taking this Athletic Greens yeah, every day for several good. years. A lot of people ask me, hey, I take a lot of supplements. People ask me all the time, if you could only take one, what would it be? It would be Athletic Greens. The all-in-one green drink. You mix a scoop of this in a 12 ounces of water. Shake it up. It comes with a scooper. Couldn't be easier. Considered an insurance policy for your body's health and immunity. Even if you're eating the healthiest diet, Athletic Greens has all the vitamins, nutrients, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics that you need to maintain a healthy body, mind and body. Your brain health is just as important as your physical health. If you want to have a strong mental game, make sure you're getting all the vitamins and nutrients and minerals that you need. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. They got a special offer for you. 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. The travel 
travel packs are invaluable. I take them with me everywhere I go. I travel a lot. Take this thing first thing in the morning. Boom, you're covered for the day. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas for 10 free travel packs. Guys, give them a shot. They support the show. Support our sponsors. We appreciate you. Go ahead, Teddy. Let's talk about Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis. It's the fight everyone wants to see. Who wins? What happens? Break it down, please. Well, if the fight happens, first of all, once it's really going to happen, you know, once it's agreed to in, in terms where the fighters already, you know, have agreed to getting in the ring, we will have Ryan Garcia on this show uh, talking about it. We, we will have him. He's, he's already talked to me about being on the show. And, um, we've, you know, we've had him on the show before. Uh, we'll be glad to have him on. Uh, you know, I like him as a kid anyway. I'm not, you know, hiding anything. I like him as a kid. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, he's gone through some tough times already as a young kid. He's only 24 years old. Um, some mental uh, issues, you know, as far as the depression and different things. It's personal. Uh, he hasn't gone into it, but he's been honest about it. He's had some issues with that. He's dealt with that. Um, he's He's gone through that. I think that he's matured a lot also as a fighter, as a person in the last two years, year and a half. I think there was a lot of stuff going on after his Campbell fight. That was the big fight. He got dropped. He got off the floor. He showed the making of a fighter, the making of a champion. Cuss used to tell me, if you could get off the floor, you got the making of a champion. Uh, you know, he. a lot of people said, oh, he got on the floor with a guy who Campbell. He's not a big puncher, whatever. But he got up and he, you know, he, he stopped Campbell with a beautiful... Uh, body shot left hook, which is his forte, the counter left hook. This wasn't a counter left hook. This was a lead left hook. He's a good puncher with the left hook. But it, as I say, Ryan uh, Ryan is growing. He's uh, he's maturing, I believe. I, I, I see that in him. It, where he comes up as the underdog probably in this fight would be as far as experience there's no doubt that tank davis has been in with the not only more fights but the better level of fighters there's no doubt about that tank tank davis has been in with the better uh competition uh you know he's as i talk about a lot of times with this game he's had more questions asked and answered than Ryan Garcia has up to this point in his career. Um, there's no doubt about that. Uh, does Ryan Garcia need a little more time before taking on a guy like Tank Davis? I don't know. But I don't necessarily think that he does need more time. I think he's matured enough in the last year. We're not 100% sure. We won't be until he gets in that ring. But that experience factor is important. It is important to have those questions in your own mind, in your own mind, answered, asked and answered. 
And, and part of this business, a big part of this business is the pressure of this business. It ain't easy, you know, talk about mental health. Life ain't easy. But then you add the dimension to it that you're a fighter. <laughs> and you got to get in the ring with another man to make your living. That, that adds pressure to the whole equation of life. That ain't easy. There's a lot of jobs out there that ain't easy. That's one of them. That's one of them. That, you know, to have to get into that chamber of truth, that squared circle, um, and face all your inhibitions. Lay them all out there. Really, get naked, if you will. Really, that's what boxing, for me, that's, if it's going to be explained to a layman, that's how I would explain. Getting naked, getting into the ring, and bearing everything and being able to deal with all of those fears, all of those inhibitions that have been in your life up to this point, being able to deal with all of those things coming to the forefront. That's that's fighting. Yeah, it's physical. Yeah, it's about, you know, the X's and O's, and it's about lefts and rights, and about body work, and about defense and offense, about control and range, all of that, footwork, everything, speed, power, timing, but it's also the mental part, 75% of it. And, you know, kind of like that saying, watch that first step. It can, be a, it can be a doozy. Well, watch that part of it. It can be a doozy. That, that's the part that separates people is that part. Handling that, that pressure every day. And I think that Ryan was feeling that. And um, at 24, 23 years old, 22 years old, he was feeling that, and as all fighters do. As I said, Tank is more down the road. Um, having been in there with more experienced guys. But I tell you the big difference in this fight with this Garcia versus the other Garcia. First of all, big difference. This Garcia is bigger. He's stronger. Unlike the last Garcia that Tank just beat, this Garcia is a, is a good puncher. Tank Davis is that power guy. We got it. We got it. TNT. Um, Garcia can punch. He can punch, especially with that left hook, the counter left hook. He can punch, and he's getting bigger. He's getting bigger. He um he has gotten bigger. Uh, he's maybe he's still filling out. You know, he, he up until a year ago he was probably still growing, and um. So you got a bigger guy. Also, if he has a physical edge, he could. I don't know if he matches the power of Tank, but he's right there. But he. He probably passes Tank in speed, where and in length and in size. He's bigger, he's longer, and he's fast. He's got faster hands, so he's got those things going. And Tank's no slow guy, but Tank has dealt with all that before. He's dealt with taller guys. He usually fights taller guys. You know, he's not a giant as far as that goes. So he knows how to take away the range. He knows how to close the gaps. He knows how to even get you to give up your height like he did with Roly, and, and set traps and get you to shrink yourself to come to him. So it'd be a heck of a fight. It would be a matter of Garcia would have to control the outside, what the other Garcia the other night was trying to do. But he's got a better jab. He's got a longer jab. He's got faster hands. He's got more power. He's got something to make Tank Davis have to worry about a little bit. To be a little more respectful of. Where 
when he's closing the gap, he'd have to worry about the power of that left hook. That's important. He's got something to keep Tank a little respectful in those areas. A little bit, you know, mindful. Mindful in those areas. And that's important. He would have to, Garcia would have to control the range. He would have to make Tank pay a price for real estate. You know, charge him. You want a, you want a foot of real estate to close in on me? Then it's going to cost you three left hooks. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of dollars, it's punches. Uh, that's the currency in, in the ring. So he, he'd have to fight that kind of fight. And he'd have to, here's the key. He'd have to fight it all night. There's no margin fairer. There's no margin fairer. He would, he would have to be consistent all night long and keep his concentrate, concentration all night. Not like the other Garcia who looked at the ring to see what was going on in the stands. No, he would have to be laser point focused on one thing, Tank Davis, uh, all night long and be consistent. Because one mistake with Tank Davis and the fight's over. The fight's over. I mean, you could survive it, but the fight could be over. So... What does Tank Davis have to do? He's got to do what he does. He's got to close the gaps. He's got to use feints sometimes. He's a smart fighter. He's, he's got to close the gap. He's got to use all the tricks in the arsenal, you know, not just the power. If he's got to set a trap, he'll set a trap. If he could get, if he could get Ryan to, to go for it, to bite on it, he should do that. Um, feint to let him think he's coming in, get Garcia to make his step out, maybe premature, then, then start to close after him. The jab, just like it was the other night, the jab would be the key for both fighters to control that outside range, that outside distance. The jab, the jab would be, I'm, I'm kissing to my f- best friend in the whole world, my grandson who came home from school, who's being very good. He's not coming in here, Baldwin Papa, while he's doing his podcast, but he loves Papa so much and Papa loves him so much that he had to give him a wave. He had to give me a wave and a kiss and I couldn't ignore him. I, I, I thought about it, but I couldn't ignore him. Um, at the end of the day, uh, Tank would do, like I said, Tank would have to close the gap. Uh, the jabs would be instrumental uh, both guys jabs Ryan Garcia's jab would have to be snappy would have to be hard it would have to be fast which it is it would have to control range it would have to dictate the terms of the of the fight the the geometry of the fight if you will inside that ring because the geometry would have to be owned by Ryan on the outside and Tank would like to get the geometry to be closer uh, but the jab would be geography. the key Geography. I'm sorry. Uh, the key. The key would be uh, the jab. The jab would be the key, where it would be Tank Davis's jab. He doesn't throw it quite as often, but it's straight. It's accurate. It's hard, and he could be aggressive with it. Um, that's what he would probably try to do. Um, while I'm not saying Garcia would be defensive with it, but it would be more along the lines of him kind of, kind of. Uh, Marking his, marking his his territory, uh, you know, uh, drawing a line in the sand that you're not going to cross this line, if you will. So it's a fight that there's a lot of fights out there we love to see. We're probably not going to see them. Um, this one is one we would love to see. Hopefully, we will see it. Um, and uh, 
like I said, once we know that that fight's going to happen to all the fans out there, uh, and his 8 million followers, I think Ryan Garcia has like 8 million followers or something, <laughs> yeah. something like that, or almost, as, almost as many as you. Um, with, <laughs> with, with all of that, with all of that, uh, Ryan will come on this show and he will, um, he will break that fight. He, he will talk about that fight and, and what yeah, it means to him great. and everything else. Yep, that'll be a good one. Well, Teddy, appreciate you. Nice to be back in action, have the calendar start back up again. Relatively slow week next week. We've got a UFC fight night, and there's a small heavyweight show in uh, Verona, New York. But I'm sure if there's something worth discussing, we'll have uh, no shortage of material for next week, and we'll look forward to seeing everyone. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. We appreciate you. You got anything else, Teddy, before we say goodbye? No, just uh, keep those prayers coming for DeMar Hamlet because they sure as heck have worked. And keep that yep. love. Keep that love going, guys, because you know what? It's, uh, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a, DeMar started something. He didn't mean to, but he started something really, really important here, bringing this country back and reminding us all that we are all part of the same thing. The human race, <laughs> the right. human race, uh, and th there's a camaraderie, a camaraderie, a camaraderie with that that should never be lost. Just because we have differences of opinion or this or that, it should never be lost. That that love should always exist. That care for others should always exist. That's Later, it. Kid. All right, guys. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you guys next week.